This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equity Mates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. You don't need a lot of brains in this business. Investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own time. Now you can get rich very young just by having an idea. I mean, I can buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. Welcome to Get Started Investing. In this podcast, we cover all the basics that you need to start your investing journey. Are you joining us for the very first time or is this the very start of your investing journey? Well, before you dive into this episode with us, our feed is designed to go from the very beginning. So we strongly recommend that you scroll up and start at episode one. But if you are feeling brave and just want to dive in, then don't let us stop you. Here at JSI, we want to unpack all the jargon and confusing bits, hear your investing stories with the goal of making investing less intimidating, and we want to have a good time along the way. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. That's good. Good, good to be back for episode two of this uh Sort your money series. Yes. Get your money sorted. You're certainly uh, sorting your money. I am. I am. We had, a lot. we had Graham Cook from Finder on for our last episode to talk about debt. Luckily, debt isn't a too big an issue for me. Uh, but this episode is all about getting your cash flow right, sorting your money. Is that, so, is that an issue for you? It's not an issue, but <laughs> you can always do better. You know, It's a continuous improvement thing. So I think- uh, I'm going to, well, we've already prepped to the notes for this episode. So I was about to say, I think I'm going to learn a lot. I mean, I have already learned a lot in preparing for this episode. So it, this is a good series to do. Four and a half years too late, some may say. <laughs> yeah, I did want to ask you last episode, uh, Graham was talking about having multiple savings account to flick money around and uh, also maximize interest rates. So how many different bank accounts do you have? So I have, I have a savings account and a transaction account, but with the same bank. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get into some in this episode and we're jumping the gun a little bit, but we're going to talk about some of the big dogs in the personal finance space, you know, the Scott Papes and the Dave Ramseys and some of their suggestions, which are a little bit different to what I've done. I might take it on board, uh, but let's let's get through the intro before sure. we get into that. <laughs> sure. Look forward to chatting about it. Okay. So yes, over the next three episodes, we have partnered with Finder to talk all things personal finance and getting your money sorted so that you can start investing. There's no point trying to start investing if you don't have the basics sorted first. Finder is focused on helping Aussies save and grow their money. They provide the financial tools for you to achieve your goals. Whether it's saving for a holiday, buying your first home or investing for your future, Finder will be by your side and empower you to live a rich life. And to help you get sorted, Finder has launched the Ultimate Money app. With it, you can see all your accounts in one place, track your net worth and uh, find out your credit score and also, you can now buy Bitcoin all in the one app. So check it out. 
in your app store. As Ren said in this episode, we're going to take a look at some of the key pieces of advice on sorting and managing your money from experts around the world. We'll tie it in with our stories and some uh, stories from the Equity Mates community. So let's kick it off. All right, let's do it. Now, you've put a note in here to start with the importance of talking about money. Mm-hmm. We literally talk about money for a job. Sort of. So does that mean we're the most important people? <laughs> I actually don't think we talk about money. We talk about um, making money, but we don't ever share our personal financial situation with our mates, with each other. We're not- as- I, I know how much you earn. Oh, yeah, we work together. <laughs> <laughs> we do the books. What I mean by this is- um, and, and look, it's it's a very particular and uh, thing, and I think historically a lot of people have always um, shied away from sharing how much they earn and all that sort of stuff for, for valid reasons because I think the next point I've written here is don't compare yourself with others, and uh, I think it's very easy to do if you are aware of how much your friends earn and all that sort of stuff. So what I really want to get out of this point, out of this episode, is that um, – there is value in talking to people about your financial situation and learning from what others do. Uh, the caveat to that is just because your mates might be earning more than you or someone's been able to save for a house deposit, uh, the worst thing you can do is actually compare your financial situation with others because everyone is running their own race. So everything that we talk about in here, obviously everyone has their own situation and it's how you can best apply it to what you're currently doing in life. Yeah. I think it's worth us giving a shout out to Tash uh, of Tash Invests here. She is very strong on that breaking the taboo around uh, money. Um, She's very public about how much she makes, how much she earns. Um, and, And I respect that because I definitely wasn't like that. You know, there's three things you don't talk about politics, religion, and money. Um, and I think, I think it's, it's pretty impressive that, you know, she's, she's willing to go out there. So go check out our interview with her if, if you want to hear more. Um, I definitely also think there is a practical reason that you should talk about money. Companies thrive on you not knowing how much other people are earning. Like there's Mm -hmm. an information asymmetry whenever you're negotiating your salary, whenever you're moving jobs. And if you don't know what a standard salary is, if you don't know how much your colleagues are earning, companies have an information advantage over you in those negotiations. And so they love that. And I think websites like Glassdoor and, you know, there's a bunch of, other, a bunch of others out there. I think even LinkedIn is trying to give you like salary ranges and stuff like that. I think that's really important. But yeah, you're right. There's a, there's a taboo around money we should try and break it down. So in the spirit of breaking it down, what's your net worth? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take this off air with you. <laughs> uh, wow. Are you going to practice what you preach? <laughs> take it off air. And look, we are going to talk about salary as salaries and ways in which you can negotiate a salary a little later on in the episode. But let's start at the top, Ren, when it comes to personal finances and thinking about the, the way that we manage money. And it really starts with cash flow. Yes. Money in, money out. Just like you want to invest in businesses that have good cash flow, you want to set your personal life up to have good cash flow. And what does good cash flow even mean? It means like a river no, running down. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. it's just um, basically that you're, you've got a lot more money coming in than you do going out. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way 
it's impossible to get ahead if you have more money going out than you have coming in. Simple maths. So if we define money coming in, pretty straightforward, Ren. It's things like salary from your job, income from a side hustle like equity mates uh, or a gig economy job that you might have going on. You might be getting income from investments, be it dividends or rental income. And then, yeah, that's really, what else would there be? Capital gains. Capital gains, yeah. So anything that's coming into your bank account is is money in? Um, there might also be gifts. Gifts, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, so that's money going in. And then money going out, obviously, is your spending. Essential spending, rent, bills, food, non-essential spending, Bryce's gambling habit, Bryce's smoking habit. Not true, <laughs> not true, not true. Um, no, but, you know, the... 600 subscriptions that we all seem to have these days, travel when we can do it again, going out when we can do it again, all that stuff. And then, you know, all those fees and charges, interest on uh, credit cards, late fees on afterpay purchases, all that extra cost, speeding tickets that, you know, all <laughs> yeah, that stuff. Yeah, you're three. It's pretty quick. Th- it flies. <laughs> um, but look, obviously this isn't, a revelation. Obviously, everyone knows that the way you manage your money is having more coming in than going out. But I think conceptually, think about your personal finances like you would a business um, that you're wanting to invest in and optimize for good cash flow. Cut those unnecessary expenses, increase that revenue line, improve that operating leverage. that's right and i think reinvest in uh productive assets (laughs) it's easy to say optimize for but like what does that even mean well i think before we talk about optimizing for well uh, what it means is reducing your costs increasing your revenue improving your cash flow that's what it means but before we talk about how we do it we probably have to talk about how we measure it because I am definitely the kind of person that understands everything that we've spoken about conceptually, but traditionally just never measured it. I have like vaguely good habits where whenever I get paid, I, you know, move money into different accounts, put some uh, away, all of that stuff sort of automatically. But I, I don't I don't have your six hundred tab spreadsheet going with like, you know, V lookups to three tabs along and, you know, all that stuff. I didn't measure it that well. And I think A really important lesson that I've taken out of this is that, you know, what gets measured gets managed. And yeah, I think that's the thing. It's it's, uh, impossible to set goals and actually stay on track with these things if you only vaguely know where your cash is going. So obviously, you know, I'm very proud of my reputation for just vibing it out, vibing my money. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Okay. But uh, I must confess that even before, so this series is obviously sponsored by Finder, but even mm-hmm. before we started speaking about sponsorship, I actually downloaded their app because I looked at oh, you nice. and the inspirational, uh, you know, example that you're setting with all your spreadsheets. And I figured, <laughs> you know, maybe I should get a little bit more, uh, more into the numbers, go a little bit more off the data than the vibe. And so I actually downloaded their app and put all my accounts in and uh, had a look at all my numbers and I I gotta say it's pretty good like I I can see all of my different categories of spending I can see my net worth um <laughs> I, I can see see sort of sort of the I guess change over time and you know how my spending is different um month on month and 
you know, I can see my biggest my biggest spend is rent and groceries, uh, less on, you know, entertainment, uh, restaurants, uh, dining, all that stuff. So, it's pretty good. I can kind of see where, wh- why you love looking at the numbers so much. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you're certainly not known for frequenting the restaurants, but um, I'm not surprised that's not showing up. But look, it's good, Ren, what, that What's you that are, meant to me? I guess, <laughs> I guess it's good that you are tracking your money. Uh, um, where does, you know, budgeting is obviously important. And we're going to touch on that a bit later. And I guess the app also helps you do that. Are you... So you're now tracking your spending, which is good. Where does that leave you with the budgeting side of things or are you very much on the vibe train still? Nah, budgeting is still very much a vibe. I don't have like a set number. <laughs> but just on this bloody restaurant comment, you know, just because <laughs> just because you and Harriet have a separate line item in your budget for Ital- Italian, <laughs> Eastern Suburbs Italian restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. Look, no, the numbers don't lie. And uh, anyway, we'll move on. <laughs> so you've been doing it for a while. You're the old hand at this. What are the key things that you're measuring when you build your spreadsheets? Well, everything that you just spoke about in terms of cash flow, rent. So the first things I do are break down what are my essential spending. So rent, bills, food. And I know that every month that is exactly what I'm going to need to survive to the next month. And it's uh, so like down to the dollar and it's the same every month that goes in petrol. So do you have a budget for each of those line items? Yeah. Jeez, you must be a fun person to live with. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's a budget that it's enough that it goes in that I know, spe- use it or not, it's not going to be a question of, oh, I've budgeted 40 for, for fuel this week, but I need 50. So I'm going to only be able to fill my tank to 40, if that makes sense. Like it's- enough it's loose it's well it's specific numbers but it's not oh it's not loose (laughs) (laughs) anyway i budget for like those sort of expenses then i go straight into uh for example any debts when it comes to um our equity builder for example i know that that's the next thing in line that is most important to be servicing and then um, savings, investing, and then whatever's left left to spend. See, I just set up direct debit on my equity builder and just know that they'll take the money out and I don't have to think about it. I've got direct debit as well, but it's specific. It's from accounts that I know are specifically set up for that. So I'll never go to the pub and accidentally take it out of my equity builder or I'll never, like it's just money that's out of sight. I'll never see it. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, so I know whatever's, whenever I open my banking app, whatever's in front of me, that's for me to use. Anything else, I never, it's gone. Never, right, okay. Never, never see it. All right, let, let's take a quick pause here because, you know, you're in a relationship, you've got a partner that you've taken on this spreadsheet journey with you. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are listening to this, but maybe their partner's not listening to this. So, for those people who are trying to think about, you know, I, I want to I want to get this cash flow right for us, for this partnership, but I can't convince my significant other to to join me deep in Excel. How did how did you take what you were doing personally and apply it to, you know, your your partnership? Good question. Uh, I guess for me it was starting small, which was let's just start with the, those essentials that I spoke about, tolls, petrol, food. If I tried to go and say, Harriet, let's build the world's biggest spreadsheet for you that does everything for us, investing, savings, that would have been a get out of town, I can control it myself. So it was let's just start with the absolute basics and get that nailed first. And um, 
that's how that's how we picked it up. To be honest, though, not a whole lot of um, convincing was required. Here's the critical question: Would you have agreed to a joint account if it didn't come with spreadsheets included? <laughs> No. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So maybe that's maybe that's the tip for people out there. If uh, don't get me wrong, it required a fair bit of conversation because it's easy to put all of this money into a joint account, and then it's easy to lose track of you know you see this big lump sum in there, but then knowing a proportion of that needs to be saved for your annual insurance, for example, a portion needs to be saved for your annual car service. It's easy to go to Woolies in the pub to then just go oh, we've got heaps of cash. Let's just spend this all in a joint account and forget that there's actually reason for a lot of that money being in there. Okay, so that that's what we're optimizing for, cash flow. We've got to measure it. You know, there's apps like the Find app, which I use. There's spreadsheets, which you use. Whatever is right for you or your relationship, you know, it's just the main thing is that you're measuring it. All right, so then there's two, there's two elements to this, saving and income. Yeah. Let's start with saving. Yes. Uh, Saving's all about getting in good money habits and minimizing the amount of money that's leaving your account. So we've, we've really outsourced this because, you know, we're, we're not experts in personal finance. So we've uh, gone to the equity mates community and we've gone to the experts and we have got a bunch of, I guess, top tips and tricks around how you can do how you can maximize your savings. But before we start there, uh, any tips and tricks from the one, the only Bryce Lesky? Just uh, stick to it. <laughs> I think that's the main thing. Like it is easy to set budgets and sign up to apps, but at the end of the day, none of that is going to matter if you don't stick to it. So like you could download all the products in the world, but if you're undisciplined to actually do what's in front of you, then it's going to make no difference. So don't overstretch. Don't overstretch yourself. Be realistic with what you can save, but just do what you say you're going to do. Mm. All right. Well, with that in mind, we've pulled uh, tips from five experts. Dealer's choice. Who do you want to start with? Ren, you'll be surprised that I want to start with the barefoot investor. Um, can we just, before we get into this, uh, I have reached out to Scott Pape directly. I've reached out to his film production studio for his new TV show, trying to get him on the show. If anyone knows him, reach out on our behalf. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so a couple of key points from him. So firstly, have two debit cards, one for a splurge account and one for an essentials account. Uh, that way you can separate your money from that which you're going to go to restaurants and uh, have a good time and that which you're going to need to survive. Clearly cut up the credit card. He says the biggest purchase on your credit card is interest. Uh, no doubt that 20% interest or whatever it is, 19.4 is the average, something like that. You need to be avoiding paying credit card interest. So cut it up. Tell your bank about a competitive interest rate period on credit card to get a pause on interest and pay off your credit card debt. Uh, the sooner that you can pay that off, the better. But if you are able to get a period of interest free and avoid actually getting charged on your debt, uh, you're going to be able to pay it off even faster. So a couple of key points there from the Barefoot Investor. Mm, just a couple of many. Uh, I really like that uh, splurge and essentials, having two different debit cards it would really allow you to track the two different types of spending. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you probably you don't want to know how many debit cards I have. How many? <laughs> I do. I really do. How many? I've got, um, 
I've got four. Oh my god! <laughs> what are they for? <laughs> no, let's no, keep. Let's keep. No, get... <laughs> no, what are they for? One's joint. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. One's splurge. Like yeah. I know that that's my weekly. Yeah. One is um, like bills. Okay, um, but that is split into two. So I've got like um, one that's like all rent and stuff. Yeah, and then the other is private health, gym, telephone. Uh, electricity, all that sort of stuff, because the the rent one was traditionally set up when I was in a share house, so oh, I've just kept it. Okay, okay. Yeah, so I've just kept that going, but yeah, bills, <laughs> splurge, joint, and rent, and that sort of stuff. Right there, you go. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, we're going to learn a lot about price Husky <laughs> as the remainder of this episode uh, goes. But that's barefoot. Uh, the one that I'll start with is Dave Ramsey. So he is a massive personal finance radio host over in the US. I think these days he has like the third biggest radio show in the US. So he is all about paying off debts, but he's got advice which is a little bit unconventional. So when when you think about debts, you generally think about whatever has the highest interest rate first is what you pay off first because that's that's going to be the biggest cost if you have to keep paying interest on that. He has a different approach and it's all about psychology. So he has this idea of a debt snowball and you line all your debts up and you order them from smallest to largest, regardless of the interest rate. You know, you might have a $20 afterpay debt all the way through to your mortgage and you line them up and you say, I'm going to attack the smallest and then the next smallest. And as you build momentum, as you gain confidence that you can pay these debts off, that starts to snowball and you start to get in better habits and you start to pay them all off. Um, and so he calls this the debt snowball. I think it's just, it's a pretty cool concept. Yeah. I like that as well. Now it's important to stress that there are other people that would say that's the wrong way to do it. Just pay off the ones with the highest interest first or try and consolidate them into one. But that's, that's one of the things that he talks about. Mm, mm. Um, so we've interviewed Melissa Brown. She was um, a financial expert that came on to Get Started Investing. So go and listen to that if you haven't. A couple of her key points, obviously avoid consumer debt. It's a common theme among all experts. Also, as we said at the start, she encourages to normalize talking about money with friends, your family, pa- your partner. The more you can talk about it, uh, the more you're going to learn and feel comfortable. Obviously build good money habits, which we're discussing right now. And then also, she reckons that sometimes budgets don't work. Uh, to get more info on that, though, go and listen to the episode. Yeah, a, a statement that made Bryce recoil in horror <laughs> and still haunts him to this day. <laughs> All right, Ren, to close out, any other experts? Yeah, well, we've got Glenn James, uh, host of My Millennial Money. We went on his show. So he he's written a few things that I was reading in preparation for this episode. A few of his key tips, have clear savings goals that you can work towards track every expense, every emphasis. Love it. Uh, before you buy something, calculate how many work hours it would take you to buy that item and evaluate if it's worth it. I like that. I used to do this uh, when I was in uni a lot because uh, I hated my job and it would really make me think about it. Now I don't do it so much. <laughs> <laughs> Stay out of consumer debt, credit cards, personal loans, buy now, pay later, yeah, I think I think that's a recurring theme mm. we're coming across. 
um, and avoid lifestyle inflation. I think this is an important one. So the concept really is as your income grows, your lifestyle grows or with it, you know, you get used to eating out more or nicer bottles of wine or, you know, just buying more stuff or you want a fancier car or, you know, as we get even older, we want a bigger house and stuff like that. And so it's, you know, being very aware of not allowing your lifestyle to get more expensive as you earn more. Really take that extra money you're earning and put it into saving or investing. So I I really like that concept. And that was definitely something I was guilty of when I went from uni to working a full-time job for the first time. Fair enough, though. I think uni to full-time job is a little different than being in a full-time job and getting a pay rise. Like you are actually taking a pretty significant, probably going from... True, true. Sorry, sorry, the point was more that it was just so unconscious. Oh, right. It was just like, it just sort of happened. You just have money and you're spending more. Yeah, yeah. Going out more and... Definitely something to be aware of. All right, so that's for one bonus bonus expert. Well, this is obviously this is obviously a series sponsored by Finder and Fred Shabasta, uh, the co-founder of Finder, has written a lot on personal finance as well. I mean, Finder as a business has helped a lot of Australians save a lot of money. So, Bryce, give us a personal finance tip from Fred. Um, one from Fred is to build a buffer, and this applies, I think, you know, if you're an entrepreneur or anyone, anyone in life and Really what he's saying there is I would take that as make sure you've got an emergency account. Another one from him is to reduce your personal debts. Again, there we go, common theme coming through. Yeah. Uh, and to review your budget um, and to trim it where you can. So, again, that comes back to cash flow, more in, less out. Well, I asked for one. Bryce gave us three. Very bad at listening to instructions. Um, <laughs> but that that buffer concept we're gonna, is one we're going to come back to. That Building a buffer, having an emergency fund is an important one uh, that we've heard from a lot of these experts. So we'll touch on that. We're also going to touch on maximizing your income, the sexy part of personal finance. But before we do, we're going to take a quick break. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So, Bryce, let's talk about maximizing your income. Something that's constantly on your mind, mm-hmm. something that you ask me all all the time. Can I have a pay rise? Not please, Alec, I, please, I, Alec, can I have a pay rise? Not true. I run the books, so <laughs> I'll give it to me when I want. Um, so I'm going to let you talk me through this. How can I maximize my income? First thing to do, Ren, is negotiate your salary. According to Indeed.com, there are seven steps that you can go through to negotiate your salary, uh, given that the salary is probably the biggest part of the your your income coming in each 
fortnight or each month, it's best to start there. So uh, a couple of tips from them. Research salary data for your position. Um, Glassdoor is a good a good place to start for that. Consider how your company is doing. If obviously they're reporting record results month on month or quarter on quarter, then you might feel like you're entitled to a bit more of a pay rise. And I think the flip side as well is if they're struggling and cutting heads, yeah, it might not be appreciated that you're asking for a pay rise. Yes. Um, Reflect on what you have achieved in this role. Decide on your target range for the rise. Don't go too crazy when you're going into the meeting room and asking for it. Prepare a presentation. Practice negotiating with your family and friends and then schedule your meetings. So um, I think the key there for me really when it comes to this is just give it a crack. You have nothing to lose in my opinion. The key for me is be prepared. Like nothing would annoy your boss more than a half-assed, I want to raise, but like you can't talk to the why, you can't talk to the mm. how much. You like just do do the work and have a more informed conversation. Yeah. So one thing, if you can't negotiate a raise or you try and negotiate a raise uh, but you're unsuccessful, it might be worth looking. The this is data from the US, but the average raise within a company is three percent. The average raise when you move to a new company is between fifteen and twenty percent. So it might be worth looking elsewhere and, and seeing what else is out there. Go for that sideways move. Uh, another, or, or diagonally up. Or diagonally up, yeah. So once you've uh, negotiated your salary and hopefully taken it a little bump from that, other ways that you can maximise your income, side hustles. There's no doubt that we live in the golden age of side hustles at the moment. You've got the gig economy. There's online content. You can be a Finfluencer. You can do drop shipping. Plenty of ways. The internet's a powerful place, and uh, if you if you sit down and try something for five minutes, you never know what it's going to turn into. So, um, there's certainly the ability for you to turn your hobbies into income streams. Gaming is another one. Live streaming gaming on YouTube, plenty of opportunities to make some money. Are you just going to list them all? <laughs> well, do you want me to? Sure. <laughs> Let's start with the gig economy, Ren. Of course, you could be an Uber driver. You could go into food delivery, air tasker, you name it. Plenty of opportunities. Uh, online content. You could be a blogger, an Instagram influencer. You could jump on YouTube, start earning revenue from uh, getting big on YouTube. Meme accounts are a big thing now. The ways that you make money from that are through primarily advertising and affiliate relationships. They all um, they all pay based on that and that's how our equity mates started off friends. So that's close to our hearts. What do you mean started off? Our main thing is still advertising. <laughs> we literally just had an ad break. <laughs> uh, you could take a second job, think about babysitting, walking dogs, freelance writing, tutoring, virtual assistants, being a referee for your local football club, plenty of opportunities for a second job on the weekends there. You could upskill Ren, this this um this one applies to you these days. You don't have to go back to school. You're always thinking about upskilling, taking on new uh new courses all the time. Not <laughs> your best. <laughs> Get accredited with Google or Facebook Ads Manager. Uh, we're hiring for an ads ma- ads manager at the moment. Critical skill to have. You could learn to code, uh, but also then finally, Ren, you can look uh, to what you can sell. So look around your house. You might have sneakers, Pokemon cards, clothes, you name it. Jump on Gumtree, jump on eBay, start making a bit of money that way. So I think the key to that is plenty of ways you can make a secondary income through side hustles upskilling, secondary job, the more that you can bring in, uh, the more opportunity you're going to have to get ahead. Do you have a side hustle? Equimates. 
Do you have a main hustle? Investing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny you say investing because if the first way is maximize your income at your primary job, if the second way is to create uh, a secondary streams of income from side hustles, then the third way I think is build passive income streams. Um, And this is really where investing comes into play. And so, you know, passive income, income that you don't have to actually put in any effort to get all those, all those side hustles you just spoke about require us to put effort in. So that's probably the distinction there, but passive income, own property, get paid rent, not a lot of effort, although good luck owning property in Sydney or Melbourne, especially, but Australia generally today. Uh, Next one, dividend paying stocks. We do nothing. The company management does all the work and we get paid dividends. Also, peer-to-peer lending. You can basically be the bank. You can lend to other people who need to borrow and get paid interest on that. So there's, there's a bunch of ways that you can start to build passive income that can improve your total take-home income at the end of the day. So we've spoken about uh, sorting out or getting into good money habits, then uh, maximizing your income And finally, Ren, to close this out, once you've sorted your cash flow, you really need to think about how you're going to protect it. Uh, how, what are you going to put in place to not only protect the, uh, money that you're bringing in, but also, I guess, your lifestyle or, and, and to protect, um, I guess, the wealth that you're building. So, oh, and yourself as a person. That's also something that's probably worth protecting. So, uh, it all starts with insurances. Um, and this is where Finder can help as well through uh, comparison of insurances and super funds. Um, so first place to start is know what you're paying for with your superannuation. All superannuation funds give the option for uh, insurances, income insurance, life insurance. You just need to determine what insurances are right for you. Then obviously there's health insurances here in Australia. They are actually important when it comes to tax time. So yeah, have a think about your private health insurance. I think the main thing for me when it comes to insurances, Ren, and this is something that I've been doing recently, is just make sure you're consistently checking what you're paying versus what's available in the market. And again, Finder can really help with that, but they're a very competitive market. They're always looking for new customers. So yeah, do do some due diligence. Mm. Yeah. Finder.com.au. <laughs> that's nice. their jingle, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, insurance, that's an important one. You're the responsible one out of the two of us. So I don't think I need to add anything there. Um, emergency fund. This, you know, you mentioned Fred talking about building a buffer. Dave Ramsey, Scott Pape, uh, all of these finance experts talk about an emergency fund. So basically what it is, is if you lose your job, if everything goes wrong, in Scott Pape's case, if your house burns down, do you have cash to just see you through that time? And this is money that you put away, that you don't touch, that you put in a, you know, like a savings account that isn't exposed to the risk. This isn't, you know, you put it in stocks or you put it in housing or anything like that. This is cash under the mattress for a rainy day sort of vibes. So that's why they're important because they protect you in the in an emergency, as the name suggests. Then the question is, how much do I need? And this is a little bit of a how long's a piece of string question. Like everyone's emergency fund is different, I guess. Uh, we can't say there's a certain number that everyone should aim for, but there's a few rules of thumb out there that um, we can talk to. So Scott Pape in The Barefoot Investor said... 
uh, start with a minimum of $2,000. So, you know, save money until you get at 2000 and then aim to grow it to three months of expenses. So, you know, for Bryce, that would be taking his meticulously itemized budget, timesing that by three, and that's the number that he wants. Uh, Dave Ramsey, the US personal finance expert, similar vibe to Scott Pape. He said start with a minimum of a thousand. So prioritize getting to that $1,000 number and then work to grow it to at least three months of expenses as well. So that three months, three months of expenses seems to be the general rule of thumb from at least Scott Pape and Dave Ramsey. I was about to ask, do you have an emergency fund? But that's a dumb question. Of course you do. Yeah. How big is your emergency fund? Three months. Three months? Yeah. And what's that in dollar terms? Not saying. <laughs> Dude, weren't you starting this thing by like- I'm not uh, saying on public air. <laughs> yeah, three months. I actually looked at it the other day just because when I first decided the three-month rule, it was years ago, so I just Oh, needed- you decided. Oh, sorry. When Scott, like, when Scott I- and Dave got it from you. <laughs> when I-, when I- figured the number I needed to get to, it was based on my expenses from years ago. But now that I've obviously changed living with Harriet, et cetera, those expenses have changed. So I actually need to top it up a little bit. This episode came just at the right time then. (laughs) Yes. You may be surprised to know I actually also have an emergency fund. I knew that. Oh. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. I have roughly three months. My biggest problem and hopefully people can learn from a mistake that I've made is my emergency fund is too easy to access. It's like instant transfer back to my transaction account. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that is a that is a mistake I am going to rectify at some point. But it requires an extra level of discipline to not transfer from the emergency fund back to your transaction account. Whereas if I went with like another bank, so there was like a two or three day time lag with a transaction with like a transfer that would enforce some discipline. Mm. Yeah. I can't see mine. I have no, I have no way of seeing it and I don't even include it in the spreadsheet when it comes to like total and like total cash available or anything like that. If it's not in the spreadsheet, how do you know it even exists? Well, that's the thing. That's (laughs) That's the beauty of an emergency fund. You just never see it. So, Ren, look, um, we've gone through a fair bit today and I think it's important just to close out by saying it is – remember, it's just all about cash flow. It's it's really about discipline, um, setting yourself up for, for good habits because in the next episode we're going to be talking about once you have got your money sorted and got into these good habits, how you can then actually start – maximizing building wealth through investing. So yeah, that's um, the why in all of this, you know, we do all this so we can take that cash flow and invest it in property and shares and other assets and improve contributions to our super and, and see our wealth grow. Yes. That's the, that's the why. So we've got out of debt with Graham. We've put some basic principles in place here to actually start, um, optimizing your, your money and your cash flow. And then next we're going to have, um, Kylie from Find to Come to help us talk about the investing side. So if you feel like you want to take more control of your money and actually know where it is all going, it might be worth checking out Finder's app. Just like Ren, sign up with finder.com.au slash equity mates. They have the ultimate money app available now, even featuring Bitcoin trading. You can effortlessly manage your money in the palm of your hand, see all your accounts in one place, buy Bitcoin and track your credit score all 
in the one app. So check it out at the app store or head to finder.com.au slash equity mates. But Ren, that does bring us to the end of today's episode on getting your money sorted. Stick around for the final one next week. Well, I hope you stick around um, where we have Kylie coming in to talk about sorting your money and uh, starting to build wealth. I'm excited for it. Can't wait. Get Started Investing is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Get Started Investing are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Get Started Investing acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.